Greetings, this is podcast number 103 of Blast the Right. I'm Jack Clark from TheRationalRadical.com, www.TheRationalRadical.com. Today, we're going to hear from some conservatives who have banded together to stop Bush's power grab. You heard me correctly, conservatives. You'll get an overabundance of ammo to use when next you have the pleasure of engaging in conversation a right-winger who hasn't yet been enlightened by these conservative brethren of his. Let's get right into it. My sources are AmericanFreedomAgenda.org, audio clips from the Tom Hartman radio show, The Boston Globe, MSNBC.com, PBS.org, and Dictionary.com. There's been increasing talk lately of impeaching Bush and Cheney. Much of the discussion is focused on their lying us into war, firing the federal attorneys for political reasons, and the like. Here, we'll focus instead on the Bush-Cheney attack on the system of checks and balances built into the Constitution. For those who aren't familiar with the concept, checks and balances is, quote, a fundamental principle of American government guaranteed by the Constitution, whereby each branch of the government, executive, judicial, and legislative, has some measure of influence over the other branches and may choose to block procedures of the other branches. Checks and balances prevent any one branch from accumulating too much power. Close quote. The key is prevent any one branch from accumulating too much power. The writers of our Constitution had just successfully rebelled against King George III and wanted to make sure that in their new nation, the president would be prevented from garnering monarchical, king-like powers. Ironic, isn't it, that now there's another George trying to do just that? You may recall that in some past podcasts, we've heard in this area from rock-ribbed conservative Bruce Fine. His credentials? Fine is recognized as an expert on constitutional law, is a commentator on mainstream media outlets, and has testified before Congress on these issues. Fine's conservative pedigree? He was a high official in Ronald Reagan's Justice Department and has been an adjunct scholar at the American Enterprise Institute and a resident scholar at the Heritage Foundation. And Bruce Fine wrote the first article of impeachment against Bill Clinton. Bruce Fine is as far from being a partisan Democrat as you can possibly get. Radio talk show host extraordinaire Tom Hartman recently interviewed Fine. I'll be playing you clips from that interview throughout this podcast. Here's what Fine said about checks and balances. It is conservative philosophy at its finest to be worried about unchecked power, that the fundamental uh, theorem of government propounded by the Founding Fathers was that since men are not angels, every branch of government needs checks and supervision to avoid extreme abuses of power and folly of the kind we're witnessing in Iraq. The extreme abuses of power can be illustrated by our policy of kidnapping, throwing into dungeons, torturing people, and dumping them out abroad. Uh, And the Founding Fathers knew that without any checks, uh, human nature would cause these kinds of abuses That's why we need to restore the Constitution. Restore the Constitution. Fine ain't kidding around. 
He and three other stalwart conservatives have founded a group, American Freedom Agenda. I'll sometimes refer to it as AFA. The following is from their website, AmericanFreedomAgenda.org. Quote, Especially since 9-11, the executive branch has chronically usurped legislative or judicial power and repeatedly claims that the president is the law. The constitutional grievances against the White House are chilling, reminiscent of the kingly abuses that provoked the Declaration of Independence. The American Freedom Agenda's mission is twofold. The enactment of a cluster of statutes that would restore the Constitution's checks and balances as enshrined by the Founding Fathers, and making the subject a staple of political campaigns and a foremost concern to members of Congress and to voters and educators. Now is no time for summer soldiers or sunshine patriots in defense of American freedom. Close quote. A progressive could just about have written that, no? As the Boston Globe put it, quote, Such rhetoric might be expected from liberal activists, but these critics who call their organization American Freedom Agenda are hardly leftists. They represent what they insist is a growing group of disaffected conservatives who are demanding that the Republican Party return to its traditional mistrust of concentrated government power. The American Freedom Agenda, which intends to put all candidates in both parties to the same test, is aiming to revive a strand of conservatism that they say has been drowned out since the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. The conservative principle of limited government, they say, means not just cutting the budget, but imposing checks and balances on those who wield power. The group also plans to lobby Congress to pass legislation imposing stronger checks and balances on the presidency. It is using debate moderators to ask questions of the candidates about their views on the limits of presidential power, and it is planning to host events to raise voter awareness of the issue. Close quote. Richard Vigory is another of AFA's ultra-conservative founders. He revolutionized direct mailing and political campaigns and was thus instrumental in electing Ronald Reagan. Vigory said, quote, Conservatives have to go back to the basics. We have to go back and relaunch the conservative movement. And for traditional conservatives, it's part of our nature to believe in the separation of powers. Close quote. The separation of powers doctrine is the flip side of the system of checks and balances. The other two founders of American Freedom Agenda are Bob Barr, a former Republican congressman from Georgia who led the impeachment effort of Bill Clinton, and David Keene, chairman of the American Conservative Union. We're going to focus here on the group's Freedom Pledge, which they want all presidential candidates to sign. The beginning of the pledge reads, quote, I hereby pledge that if elected President of the United States, I will undertake the following to restore the Constitution's checks and balances, to honor fundamental protections against injustice, and to eschew usurpations of legislative or judicial power. These are keystones of national security and individual freedom. Close quote. And next follows ten items. It's a literal catalog of Bush Cheney offenses against the Constitution. Several of them would form the basis of articles of impeachment. I'm going to go through them now. Certainly you don't have to remember all ten. For use in debate, you can pick out whichever one or two strike you as most egregious and you'll be able to cite a conservative group as your source. Beyond that, 
Right now, you can just sit back and relax and let the full extent of the litany of constitutional abuse you're about to hear wash over you and energize your resolve to fight the Bush administration in its unconstitutional doings. You've undoubtedly heard many of these items individually, but I truly think it's breathtaking to hear them all in one fell swoop, especially given who this list is coming from. Some of the ten I'll briefly mention, others we'll discuss in more depth with commentary from Bruce Fine. I've changed the order of the ten so I could discuss them in three groupings. The first grouping has to do with protections applicable to U.S. citizens. Here's the first item in the pledge that all presidential candidates are being asked to sign. It's entitled, quote, No detaining citizens as unlawful enemy combatants. I will not detain any American citizen as an unlawful enemy combatant. Citizens accused of terrorism-linked crimes will be prosecuted in federal civilian courts. Close quote. Why is this necessary? The AFA explains, quote, President Bush asserts the power to detain American citizens indefinitely as illegal combatants at Guantanamo Bay based on evidence extracted by torture, with a presumption of guilt, and before a biased military tribunal, close quote. As Fine explains further, One would be the president's claimed authority to pluck any American citizen out of his home and say, you're an enemy combatant, I'm going to detain you indefinitely on Guantanamo Bay, and you have no right to confront uh, your accusers, you have no right to be charged and prosecuted in a court, you just sit there as an enemy combatant and denied access uh, to any court which would be required to prove the factual foundation for your detention. I mean, this is quite frightening. That is, the president uh, earlier on had plucked not a citizen but a resident alien from his home in Illinois, stuck him uh, in a brig and uh, without any charge or accusation has let him rot there for years. A court finally ordered him released uh, as a what you might call a political prisoner that case is now in the US Supreme Court but the president continues to insist he has this power over citizens the next pledge item is quote no military commissions except on the battlefield i will not employ military commissions to prosecute offenses against the laws of war except in places where active hostilities are ongoing and a battlefield tribunal is necessary to obtain fresh testimony and to prevent local anarchy or chaos. Close quote. Here's fine on this one. We would end military commissions. Military commissions combine the functions of judge, jury, and prosecutor in a single branch, the executive branch. I think the last time I encountered that was in the Red Queen in Alice in Wonderland. It's something yeah. you might expect in the Soviet Union under Stalin. But everybody knows that if someone accuses you and then puts you on trial, they're likely to find you guilty. Because why would they accuse you unless they thought you were guilty in the first place? And there's been no showing that we have a need for these military commissions. They were sat dormant for six years. People are tried before the military commissions for the same crimes there can be tried in civilian courts. Uh, and that's one uh, reform that we think needs to go. The AFA calls for amending the Military Commissions Act and having the trials, quote, proceed in civilian courts or by courts martial, which feature time-honored procedural safeguards to ensure reliable verdicts, close quote. The third pledge item that would protect U.S. citizens is, quote, ending the listing of individuals or organizations as terrorists based on secret evidence. 
I will not list individuals or organizations as foreign terrorists or foreign terrorist organizations for purposes of United States or international law based on secret evidence. Close quote. Fine explains, and please keep in mind as throughout, he's a hardcore conservative, not a progressive saying these things. Another theory that he has is that he can identify or list you or me or one of the organizations we belong to as a, as a foreign terrorist organization based on secret evidence. So persons who had a personal vendetta against us could make allegations to the CIA or to the State Department that we're somehow are friendly with Osama. We couldn't ever see any of that, and we could be listed as a terrorist and have all our bank accounts frozen and make it criminal for us to engage in any business activity. We think that ought to end. The next item has been in the news quite a lot. In fact, we had an entire podcast on it way back in number 23, where we heard from Bruce Fine as well. Quote, Prohibiting warrantless spying by the National Security Agency in violation of law. I will prohibit the National Security Agency from gathering foreign intelligence except in conformity with the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act of 1978 and end the NSA's domestic surveillance program that targets American citizens on American soil for warrantless electronic surveillance. Close quote. In other words, Bush currently claims the right to monitor the conversations, emails, and letters of U.S. citizens and to enter their homes, quote, on his say-so alone, close quote. Fine. Uh, another uh, uh, abuse that we would prevent would be the president's claimed authority to authorize the National Security Agency to intercept all of our emails and phone calls based upon his claim that we are implicated with al-Qaeda, and enter, break and enter homes, open our mail, even kidnap us. The gist of the president's theory of Article 2, that's the article that describes executive power, is that when he says we're at war with terrorism, uh, he then cannot be restrained in any way whatsoever, including assassinations, from attempting to gather foreign intelligence. And when he's confronted with, well, is there no stopping point? You can commit burglaries. You can, you can do anything, brutalize people, torture people to gather foreign intelligence. The response is not that he doesn't have that power, but at present, by his great benevolence, he's not doing it yet, so let's not worry. The legislative solution, according to American Freedom Agenda, is to deny funding for the National Security Agency's warrantless domestic surveillance program targeting American citizens. Quote, Appropriations would also be prohibited for any executive spying programs that have not been fully disclosed to the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. Close quote. A final pledge item relating specifically to American citizens has to do with freedom of the press. Quote, Stopping threats to prosecuting journalists under the Espionage Act. I will urge Congress to amend the Espionage Act to create a journalistic exception for reporting on matters relating to the national defense. As a matter of prosecutorial discretion, until such an amendment is enacted, I will not prosecute journalists for alleged Espionage Act violations except for the intentional disclosure of information that threatens immediate physical harm to American troops or citizens at home or abroad. Close quote. As the group's website puts it, Bush, quote, has threatened criminal prosecutions of the news media for exposing his usurpations. Close quote. Exposing his usurpations. That has a vaguely porn-like ring to it, no? But I digress. 
Let's have Bruce Fine get us back on track. Another abuse that needs to be addressed is the prospect of prosecuting uh, the media for revealing national security abuses under the uh, the Espionage Act of 1917. This administration has taken the argument that the New York Times or the Washington Post, who respectively had published the National Security Agency's illegal uh, domestic surveillance program and the use of secret prisons to torture in Eastern Europe, could be prosecuted as criminals for exposing the criminal activities of the United States government. That seems to be not an acceptable statute to have uh, as a sort of Damocles over the media prompted by Tom Hartman's observation that, out of all industries, the Founding Fathers singled out the press to protect in the Constitution, fine went on. They knew that the, you know, organized scrutiny of government was essential if democracy in Republican form was to flourish, because the government has an inclination to lie. Uh, I think President John Kennedy once uh, uh, prescribed a right to lie by government. And uh, for good or for ill, you've got to accept that they will embellish the truth. And, of course, we know about the notorious weapons of mass destruction in Iraq that actually weren't there uh, and other uh, lies and disseminations designed to destroy enemies, as Joseph Wilson or Valerie Plame. And it's equally been true that the administration has blatantly misrepresented the facts on the ground in Iraq after the surge or otherwise. You need the media there in order to check uh, the inclination of the government to lie to you, and that's Bruce why we want to encourage their candid and robust reporting. The solution advocated by AFA is to make a journalistic exception in the statute, quote, for the publication of national defense information leaked by the executive branch, Congress, or otherwise, close quote. Okay, a quick break, and then back to the conservative effort to end the Bush-Cheney destruction of our Constitution. Your one-minute voting report. We're hanging in there in August at number nine on the Podcast Alley Top Ten. We sure could use a lot more votes there. iTunes. Blast the Right is doing better in the iTunes ratings. Actually, much more so than Podcast Alley, it's iTunes where large numbers of listeners are available. So, if you subscribe through iTunes and haven't done so already, please consider giving Blast the Right a five-star review in the iTunes Music Store. That'll help counter the one-star sabotage reviews the right-wingers give Blast the Right. Here's their latest one, and I quote, Completely irrational and insane. He attempts to be facts-based, but is really only interested in twisting facts into anything possible to Blast the Right, and completely lacks any legitimate analysis of the facts. End of quote. See what I mean? So please go to the iTunes Music Store and set them straight. Thanks. The next grouping of American Freedom Agenda's 10 points mostly concerns treatment of our adversaries in the war on terror. First is, quote, no evidence extracted by torture or coercion. I will not permit the use of evidence obtained by torture or coercion to be admissible in a military commission or other tribunal. Close quote. Another, quote, 
Restoring habeas corpus for suspected alien enemy combatants. I will detain non-citizens as enemy combatants only if they have actively participated in actual hostilities against the United States. I will urge Congress to amend the Military Commissions Act of 2006 to permit any individual detained under the custody or control of the United States government to file a petition for a writ of habeas corpus in federal courts. Close quote. Habeas corpus, quote, requires the executive branch to justify detentions before an independent and impartial judge, close quote. The AFA notes that habeas corpus has been a hallmark of our legal system since King John was forced to sign the Magna Carta at Runnymede, England in the year 1215. Yes, almost 800 years ago, AFA would repeal the suspension of habeas corpus. Continuing on, the Bush Top Ten Abuses, quote, Stopping Extraordinary Renditions. I will order the cessation of extraordinary renditions except where the purpose of the capture and transportation of the suspected criminal is for prosecution according to internationally accepted standards of fairness and due process, close quote. Extraordinary rendition sends suspected terrorists to foreign countries where torture can reasonably be expected. Renditions have also occurred to secret prisons abroad operated by the U.S. These actions, the AFA correctly notes, have been counterproductive. Quote, Both practices have been prominent features of the war on global terrorism, but are flagrantly inconsistent with the rule of law. They invite chilling injustices that fuel the recruitment efforts of al-Qaeda and thus make the United States less safe. Close quote. Speaking to the Boston Globe, quote, Fine argued the country would be more secure if the presidency adhered to checks on its power. Such Bush administration policies as authorizing harsh interrogation techniques, despite laws and treaties forbidding torture, he said, are making us more vulnerable by inflaming anti-American sentiment and, quote, creating new generations of jihadists, close quote. Okay, so we have the pledge items related to U.S. citizens, and the pledge items relating to treatment of war on terror suspects. The last grouping is of broad-scale attempts to subvert the constitutional scheme. One is, quote, ending secret government by invoking state secrets privilege. I will not invoke the state secrets privilege to deny remedies to individuals victimized by constitutional violations perpetrated by government officials or agents. I will not assert executive privilege to deny Congress information relevant to oversight or legislation unless supreme state secrets are involved. In that case, I will submit the privilege claim to a legislative executive committee for definitive resolution. Close quote. This pledge item is necessary to prevent Bush or any president from, quote, shielding counterterrorism programs from congressional scrutiny by bogus invocations of executive privilege, close quote. Our final pledge item is, quote, renouncing presidential signing statements. I will not issue presidential signing statements declaring the intent to disregard provisions of a bill that I have signed into law because I believe they are unconstitutional. Instead, I will veto any bill that I believe contains an unconstitutional provision and ask Congress to delete it and repass the legislation. Close quote. Currently, AFA claims, Bush's quote, disregarding hundreds of provisions of bills he has signed into law by declaring them unconstitutional. 
presidential signing statements which declare the president's intent to disregard provisions of bills he has signed into law because he asserts they are unconstitutional would be subject to challenge by the House and Senate collectively in the Supreme Court. The signing statements are tantamount to line-item vetoes which unconstitutionally encroach on legislative prerogatives. Close quote. So there you have the ten pledge items to recap. No detaining citizens as unlawful enemy combatants. No military commissions except on the battlefield. End the listing of individuals or organizations as terrorists based on secret evidence. Prohibit warrantless wiretapping. Stop threats to prosecute journalists under the Espionage Act. No evidence extracted by torture or coercion. Restore habeas corpus for suspected alien enemy combatants. Stop extraordinary renditions. End secret government by false invoking of state secrets privilege. And renounce presidential signing statements. Hearing these ten points of constitution trashing by Bush and Cheney all in one place and explicated no less by a conservative group, well, that's pretty hair-raising, isn't it? At the end of the pledge, each candidate is asked to affirm as follows, quote, I will issue a public report annually elaborating on how the actions enumerated in paragraphs 1 to 10 have strengthened the ability of the United States to defeat international terrorism, secure fundamental freedoms, and preserve the nation's democratic dispensation. Close quote. Let's now first discuss prospects for this pledge and then the chances for the more definitive step of impeachment. AFA first asked Mitt Romney to sign the pledge. When he refused, AFA declared that he was, quote, unfit to serve as president, close quote. At the time, Bruce Fein said, quote, Mitt Romney's ignorance of the Constitution's checks and balances and protections against government abuses would have alarmed the founding fathers, close quote. While the pledge hasn't itself made much progress so far, AFA co-founder Richard Vigory suggests that, quote, as it becomes more and more clear that Hillary Clinton could be the president of the United States, this is going to get a lot of conservatives' attention in a way it hasn't done before in recent years, close quote. Mr. Right-Winger who's listening to this, and Miss or Mrs. Right-Winger who's listening to this, I know you don't like the Ms. appellation, what do you say in response to Bruce Fine? one of your own, one of the foremost experts on your side in constitutional law. Indeed, this pledge seems like something we progressives should insist all the Democratic candidates sign as well. Some might balk. We need to know which of them want to retain king or queen-like powers. Regarding impeachment, if you believe that when Bruce Fine drafted the first Clinton article of impeachment, he was doing so only for partisan reasons, then how bad must Bush be for someone like that to turn on Bush? Alternately, if you believe Fine helped draft the Clinton articles of impeachment out of a sincere belief that the rule of law must be upheld, then... If the rule of law must be upheld for lying to a grand jury about having had sexual relations, how much more so would you have to accept Bruce Fine's analysis that Bush must be impeached for far worse, for actions which destroy the fundamental constitutional scheme of checks and balances? Speaking to Bill Moyers recently, 
Fine explicitly called on the Senate Judiciary Committee to begin impeachment proceedings. You are saying you want the Judiciary Committee to call formal hearings on the impeachment of George Bush and Dick Cheney? Yes, because there are political crimes that have been perpetrated in combination. It hasn't been one and the other being in isolation. And the hearings have to be not into this is a Republican or Democrat thing. This is something that needs to set a precedent. Whoever occupies the White mm -hmm. House in 2009, we do not want to have that occupant, whether it's John McCain or Hillary Hillary Clinton or Rudy Giuliani or John Edwards to have this authority to go outside the law and say, I am the law. I do what I want. No one else's view matters. Fine elaborated to Tom Hartman. The founding fathers uh, described impeachable offenses as crimes against the Constitution, crimes against the processes of government that uh, they thought were the what we might style the scientific method for coming upon political moderation and political truths. And both the president and vice president have demonstrated a sneering contempt for any check and balance on their claimed authorities. Total disregard for both the written and unwritten rules of constitutional law and separation of powers. You can ask your friendly local right-winger, are they going to feel comfortable with President Hillary Clinton or President Barack Obama or President John Edwards having these powers? Fine notes that Congress has been seemingly afraid to even take measures short of impeachment to rein Bush in. There are some measures that can be done short of impeachment that would be helpful. Congress can, by statute, eliminate military commissions. Congress can use the power of the purse to prevent any spying on us that's contradictory to the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act. Congress can use the power of the purse to prevent any utilization of the executive power to identify people as terrorists with, based on secret evidence. So there certainly is sufficient authority in Congress, if they wish to exert it, to correct or to corral in many of the abuses. The problem is Congress hasn't been willing to undertake that kind of aggressiveness and been rather timid and more like spectators watching rather than performing their constitutional role of oversight. After Hartman suggested that Congress is afraid to act on impeachment because of a fear of being called partisan, Fine agreed and lamented the ignorance of most members of Congress about the critical nature of the system of checks and balances to our entire constitutional scheme. I'm up there every day in Congress and the ignorance that the typical member has about the constitutional philosophy and checks and balances is staggering and stunning, probably less than a high school student who can pass a civics test. So they do not appreciate how their role is being reduced to wallpaper. Uh, and other than having an occasional appearance on C-SPAN, they decide virtually nothing of importance because the president is asserting uh, the prerogatives of the legislative branch, the judicial, and the executive branch all at once. And they do because of this shallowness think, well, if we attack the president, we'll be seen as partisan. I think this is the attitude of Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, and we might lose our majority in 2008 because if we're viewed as partisan and weak on terrorism and go after Bush for his abuse, at least if he wraps himself in a patriotic flag. We don't know really how to describe the menace he's creating to the Constitution, and therefore we just better be silent. Well, Congress is certainly behind the trend in public opinion. An American Survey Research Group poll released in July found the public is now evenly split on impeaching Bush. 45% yes, 46% no. Impeachment sentiment has grown since March, when it lost by 42 to 49 percent. 
Cheney's impeachment is currently already favored by 54 to 40%. This is without any mainstream advocacy for impeachment, any laying out of the arguments as I've just done. Just imagine what public sentiment would be if the public were constantly hearing pro-impeachment evidence and argument from prominent Democrats and intellectually honest conservatives. Which brings me to what I'll close with. Late last year, Mimi from California wrote to me, asking, quote, Why are John Conyers and Nancy Pelosi saying that they aren't going to move toward impeachment? This is very disturbing, close quote. I wrote back in part, quote, I'm adopting the attitude, to paraphrase Richard Nixon, watch what they do, not what they say. Instead of announcing, we're going to impeach Bush and hold hearings on it, and thus create an amazing firestorm, Maybe the idea is they'll conduct the substantive hearings on all the impeachable offenses. And then, as the evidence mounts, at that point the idea of impeachment could be brought up. They can say, we didn't intend to impeach the president, but the evidence we've now uncovered leaves us no choice. Close quote. Another benefit of not having moved forward immediately with impeachment is that the critical mass of public opinion has been allowed to grow as the poll I just mentioned indicates. Of course, the reason for no substantial action in Congress towards impeachment, and certainly the reason for Congress not taking the legislative steps suggested by Bruce Fine and the Ten Points Pledge for reversing some of Bush's constitutional abuses, could be an affirmative answer to the question posed by another hardcore conservative, Norman Ornstein, a resident scholar at that right-wing holy of holies, the American Enterprise Institute, and another fervent critic of the Bush-Cheney power grab. Orenstein asked simply, quote, Does Congress have any cojones? Close quote. Perhaps not. Its acquiescence just this past weekend to Bush's stampeding of another measure wildly expanding Bush's surveillance powers does not bode well. What does this mean? It means that, in a tireless manner, with determination appropriate to the seriousness of the cause, we progressives must continue to call Congress at 202-225-3121, continue to meet in person with our representatives, continue to protest in the street, continue to do everything possible under the sun to rein in the burgeoning king-like reign of Bush and Cheney. For as you've just heard, not just we progressives, but intellectually honest conservatives like Bruce Fine know that Bush and Cheney must be stopped. Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend. Tell your entire email address book about Blast the Right, and also vote for Blast the Right at podcastalley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. And remember those five-star reviews in the iTunes Music Store. A special shout-out to all my Live 365 and Red Dragon 365 listeners. Great to have you on board. Please consider coming over to the homepage subscribing through iTunes or some other method, and then you can download and listen to any episode of the podcast anytime you want. A really special thanks to Ellen in Kansas City and Kit from Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, for their help with this podcast. I want to apologize for the lack of live shows on the alternate weeks this summer. 
One week I had that washing machine flood, and last week I was dealing with my tooth that had an infected root canal. I had it pulled. In any case, I hope to get those live shows back up soon. Music credits. The break music was L.A. Nightmare by 22 Caliber and Not the One Blues by Burnsheet Thornside. We'll close with a little bit of Catapult the Propaganda by Nye's Music. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. I still love to get all your emails, so keep those great comments coming in. My address is rational at roadrunner.com. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. You can also leave your comment using Skype. My Skype name is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls. In my line of work, you got to keep repeating things over and over and over again to kind of catapult the propaganda. Catapult the propaganda. Inspector Charles Dolphers now issued a comprehensive report that confirms the earlier conclusion of David Kay that Iraq did not have the weapons that our intelligence believed were there. Um, it turned out that we have not found any stockpiles. I think it's unlikely that we will find any stockpiles. I don't know anybody in any government or any intelligence agency who suggested that the Iraqis had uh, nuclear weapons. That's, that's fact number one. What has not stood the test of time was the judgment we made 